That Naturopathic Podcast. TNP. Hello there. Hi, and thanks for joining us. I'm Dr. Cara Denisio. And I'm Dr. David Miller, and we hear your frustrations. This show is for you. This show is for you if you're feeling like your current healthcare strategy is not getting to the root cause or the underlying reasons for your health. This show is for you if you've been told that you're fine, but you definitely don't feel very well. This show is for you if you're walking out of your doctor's office with one, two, three, four, or even five medications without any mention of diet, lifestyle, or a long-term game plan. This show is for you if you've got several specialists taking care of you, but no one is really putting it all together. This show is for you if you believe that health should be part of health care. These problems have solutions. We know it. Our patients know it. And we want you to know it. Naturopathic medicine is the solution that you need to know about. All right, you know we talk a lot about iron on this podcast. It comes up with almost every guest. Which makes sense. It's the world's most common nutrient deficiency after all. So we were really excited when Ferapro reached out to sponsor TNP in recognition of us championing the importance of iron deficiency. Well, let's get right to the point. Iron deficiency is often inappropriately assessed or diagnosed and is very often inadequately treated. Which means it will leave you or your patients feeling tired and literally pulling their hair out if it doesn't fall out first. And often the dose just isn't enough. We have typically only had a lower dose 30 milligram iron supplement available for our dispensaries. So we've been having to send patients to the pharmacy for higher dose products that may be hard on the gut or have a lot of binders, artificial colors, and fillers. But thankfully, Ferapro has been solving this problem for over 20 years with their lineup of intelligent and clean pharmacist-formulated iron products. I love that the Ferapro lineup includes a 30 milligram, 75 milligram, and their high dose 150 milligram iron per cap so that you can have the right dose right there when your patient needs it. If you think your patients would benefit from Ferapro, send an email to info at ferapro.com. Thanks for listening, and now on to the show. All right, welcome back to another episode of That Naturopathic Podcast. This is Dr. Kara. And this is Dr. Dave. And today we're joined by Dr. Jen, and I'm really excited to introduce Dr. Jen. Uh, Dr. Jen is the founder of the Umbrella Project. Um, She's a naturopathic doctor, and this is a really cool initiative that she has started uh, that is now in over 200 schools. So the Umbrella Project works with schools, researchers, organizations, and training other naturopathic doctors uh, to develop mental wellness strategies for families uh, facing social Uh, emotional and mental health challenges um, and those looking for optimal health and performance. So um, I'm really excited to speak with you, Jen, today. So welcome to that naturopathic podcast. Oh, thank you. I'm I'm really excited about this too. I've heard some of your previous podcasts with naturopaths I admire, and I'm excited to dive into some fun topics today. Okay. You're doing really cool stuff, Jen. So you got your primary practice. Um, Yeah. Um, your private practice with Dr. Ben Snyder, who we just talked about. Um, mm-hmm. But also this umbrella project, this sounds like a big deal. I've, I've sort of been looking into it a little bit. Um, it, it's kind of like a big deal what you're doing. It's really cool. So how did, first of all, I don't know how you make the time to do it, but what <laughs> made you, um, what made you want to do something like the umbrella project? You know, it's funny. I, I don't really have an entrepreneurial bone in my body. I don't think I liked my naturopathic path. You know, it really had a predictable sort of series of events. And, uh, but 
uh, when I married my husband, he's, he's really an um, entrepreneur at heart. And um, as I was working with kids in my practice and I worked for an organization in town, I realized that there was a pretty big gap in, in the mental health space from the naturopathic perspective. So in the way that we're preparing for challenges, um, I always think about in naturopathic medicine, like we're preparing our bodies and getting them ready so that if something happens, you know, our body's ready and as optimal as possible to deal with it. But when it comes to mental health, I still feel like we're very reactive. We wait until pain is like a nine out of 10 before we seek help in, in the mental health space. So as I was working with kids and families, I came to realize that there was so much more we could be doing, um, in schools and as parents to prepare our kids for the challenges that they're going to face in life. Because I don't think none of us are getting out of life without some challenges. This year has uh, highlighted that, I think, for everybody that we know. So we better get ready and prepared for them. So um, my husband encouraged me to start um, building something that could be used in schools to teach all of the skills that we need. Um, we call them umbrella skills because they work like an umbrella to provide a layer between stuff that happens in life, the reign of life, and you underneath your umbrella, your well-being. You don't have to be at the mercy of every every storm that goes by, right? You can prepare yourself. So, um, And so the Umbrella Project was born, and it certainly has challenged all of my own coping skills. I think when you're, when you're used to a more predictable path in life like that, taking on a huge challenge like this has uh, built a lot of capacity in coping <laughs> for me <laughs> still have a ways to go with all the things happening in the world right now. But yeah, that's sort of how it came to be, came to be born. So I'm pretty proud of, of where it's gotten to, um, not coming from that, that sort of background, that business background. I, uh, I still sometimes pinch myself of how many people that were, were touching and how many schools and lives and teachers and families are all getting this information now. So Actually, you don't need business. Of- you just need a something that matters and something you really believe in and something that works, right? So obviously, this is something that is so needed. Um, I would love for you to explain, like, I, I, I really think that um, our listeners and even me, like, using that analogy of the umbrella, what are some of the things you talk about that are help that are under that umbrella? So in terms of, like, the skills that fall into your umbrella... We look at, there's lots of them. Um, and I think it's important that there's lots of them because not every skill works for every situation, right? Like it, it was great. It's great to have a lot of empathy, but if the world is calling for you to pivot quickly your business, that skill is probably not the one you need. You might need cognitive flexibility, right? So things like, like that, like empathy, cognitive flexibility. We talk about self-compassion, which is by far the skill that comes back lowest in all of the adults that I survey. Um, we talk about resilience and gratitude and kindness. There's all sorts of skills that fall, um, grit and having a sense of purpose. So there's tons of skills. And then, then the other side of it that we talk about is what you do under your umbrella, which is like your self-care piece. So it's pretty hard to be empathetic when you're hangry, right? If you don't feed your brain the right foods, if your blood sugar is low, nobody can use their coping skills as well as they they should. So I think that's another, those two pieces kind of meet each other in the middle. So you've got your umbrella and then you've got what's happening under what you're feeding your brain to actually 
be able to use those coping skills. Okay. And what about the other side of the umbrella, which is sort of why you decided to uh, make the umbrella? So the things that you were seeing, uh, the need for in kids, the reins, what were sort of the things that were coming and presenting themselves as problems that needed a solution? Yeah, that's a, it's a good question. I mean, there's lots of talk right now about the increase in mental health concerns that are out there. Um, but what I was really noticing is that um, this generation of kids seem to be coping less and less, even with the normal challenges that we all face. So things like a friend being mean to them or not doing well on a test or, you know, those kind of normal challenges. I mean, while none of us like them, as we as we grew up they sort of were a normal part of life and at some point those stopped feeling normal for kids um so a big part of the umbrella project is reframing challenges as normal and expected and needed right Mm -hmm. coping skills are skills that means we have to practice them in order for them to be good which means we need something to practice on which is all the challenges that we face so Everything from those kind of things to all of the things that come up with technology now, I think that's a big added challenge for kids. So they can't really separate themselves from that mean friend anymore or from, you know, the the, the need for social validation. Um, those are big ones that come up. But, um, you know, now there's social isolation. That's another huge one. I think that we're all feeling, um, so all sorts of challenges, uh, in practice. And, you know, actually what I thought was super interesting is that KidsLink was an organization that worked with, um, kids who were really identified as struggling. Um, and I would say naturopathic practice tends to, um, bring in a different population, often with parents who are looking to just really optimize their kids' health. And But even at those two extremes of populations that we're seeing, all the same concerns are there. So anxiety is going up in all of those groups, right? Depression is going up in all of those groups. Suicide rates are going up in all of those groups. There's not, no longer is it easy to predict who's going to struggle with mental, with mental health. So yeah, and I, um, I just, I'm honestly, I'm, I, this analogy really is resonating with me, and I, I'm, I'm so glad I get to talk to you today. Um, and I, I love the flexibility of it. I, there's something you said there. I just wanted to, to say that it really struck me was when you said, you know, there's lots of skills and not, you know, we don't need all of them. And I think sometimes these abstract terms, parents will hear, like we'll hear, you know, grit or resilience or, you know. Uh, like or even skills like um you know breathing or self-care but they all feel very abstract and it's hard as parents to know what that means and how we foster that it's just like what so i i really like how this kind of frames it under that and it it really acknowledges different components that you know every every kid or every person is going to follow a different path in order to kind of um create that healthy umbrella yeah well i think like it it's just the makings of craziness to try to do all of it for your kids and it it's been shown that it's counterproductive right if we go too far as parents trying to create these environments where we're building all of these skills at the same time it's just it's not healthy for us and therefore it's not healthy for our kids so one of the things i do actually when i work with parents is help them pick out one thing one skill that they could start working on because much like an umbrella, if it has holes, 
as you start to just patching one hole is significant, right? It makes that umbrella a little stronger, makes that child a little more confident going out into the world and doing the next thing. And you can slowly kind of build this metaphorical umbrella of skills one thing at a time, as opposed to trying thinking you need to do it all. But when we have a, an assessment tool um, where you can assess all of your your coping skills. And it's a great place to start because it really is hard to know, right? Should I be working on my child's empathy? Is it grit? What do I need? Am I, should I be more mindful? Or maybe I need to start with, right? Cognitive flexibility. So sure. once you, once we have patients or um, students do their umbrella assessments or parents, then you can really, it really stands out. Okay. If I start with self-compassion, I'll, I'll fill this big gap in my coping skills and that will help me have take the next step to, you know, a stronger umbrella. So um, I like that you brought that up because it is impossible to do it all um, at the same time. It's important to pick out the, the thing. And that is why, like, this is what naturopaths are good at. Like, I just, I wish people got what we do. Mm-hmm. And your program is so obviously a naturopathic doctor's brain, <laughs> something that is comprehensive, makes sense, has flexibility, has um, has context, and has the ability to be applied to different individuals as they need. Like, mm-hmm. that is what we do. Like, you know, people are overwhelmed with what they should do with their health. We can talk to them and make help them make decisions as to what they actually need out of yeah. all of the options out there. And so, like, we're, uh, I don't know. I just, I love that your program is so naturopathic at heart in just the philosophy and thinking in which you've developed it. Thank you. That is a huge compliment. To me yeah. and it's, it's 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 it reeks of it it's so, so <laughs> it really is beautiful and i think uh, when something is is wise or true it, it manifests in different the same sort of concept will manifest in different ways and it's like i was just reading reading through the, the website today and, and just seeing sort of there's analogies galore between like what kara's saying there with that sort of impassioned plea for the understanding that this is just like uh naturopathic medicine this umbrella idea i just think it's it's so uh so totally congruent with with what we're all trying to do yeah thank you that's that's a huge compliment to me and i really do feel like and and often try to give as much props as i can to all the people who have done all the individual research on each of these skills like those are so they're amazing and so needed, but I, I do feel like the naturopathic training that I did really set me up to step back one step and say, like, this is wonderful that we're talking about stress and resilience and mindfulness, all these pieces, and it's great, but how are people understanding the big picture of this, and how are they deciding what to work on. Like as a parent, when I had my kids, I was like, okay, wow, this is way more complicated than I thought (laughs) mental health. And like every day you send your child to school and they learn something new and they bring it home. It completely changes that strategy that worked great yesterday. Right. So how are you zooming out and seeing the big picture of what you're trying to accomplish by the time your child leaves home is sort of what from parenting perspective and a school perspective, what we're trying to do, right? Not just react, not just making a behavior stop, but actually like zooming out enough like we do as naturopaths to see the big picture of what we're trying to accomplish, which is 
seeing your child walk out of the door when they're not going to be under your wing anymore with their own umbrella of coping skills so that when they go to university or go out in the world and their their partner breaks up with them, they can get through that challenge, right? Mm -hmm. They're not left feeling like you used that, you know, that they don't have any, any tools. And I think what's happening right now with parents is that we are able to provide a lot of protection for our kids. And I, I liken it to holding your umbrella over your child, right? And, and which is great. Um, but, uh, when you take that away, what do they have to protect themselves? Right. At some point you, you can't protect them anymore. Yeah. I, I, I want to, um, just clarify something in case I got it wrong, because if, if I did hear it right, then I, I have some analogies again with the way, uh, at least I work in practice. So did you say, uh, self-compassion is sort of the first thing? Like, do you, did you say that for, it's sort of, it is what you need, uh, first to sort of grow the other skills or did I did, did I hear that too simplistically? Well, I, uh, what I, just to clarify, self-compassion is what most people as adults score the lowest in of all the skills. Self-compassion comes back so low. And in the last couple of months, I've actually been doing a lot of self-care workshops for educators and parents and came to realize um, that self-compassion really begets self-care. Like if you are not kind to yourself, if you don't have self-compassion, then it's almost impossible for you to make the choices that you need to care properly for yourself. So I really do, with most of my adult patients at least, start with in a place where we're working on self-compassion because it's toward the lowest. Yeah, and what does that look like? What are some examples maybe that self-compassion looks like in, you know, you you said you need self-compassion before self-care. So can you sort of tell the an example of self-compassion versus self-care? So self-compassion um, breaks down into three different um, categories. One of them is self-kindness versus um, beating yourself up. Uh, the second thing is common humanity versus isolation. So remembering that you're one of many and that everybody struggles instead of feeling isolated in your challenge. And then the third is mindfulness um, instead of getting really caught up in your own storyline, um, taking a minute to just, you know, accept and be okay and see what's happening to you and, and your feelings. So those are kind of the three components of self-compassion. And so when we're working on self-compassion, there are a couple of different things that people do. Um, there's some really good meditations for self-compassion. Um, Kristen Neff has some of them. And often they involve thinking about somebody you really care about and then um, offering them, wishing them well, you know, giving them that piece of compassion and then slowly substituting yourself out in that image that you're thinking of. So then offering yourself the same kind of care that you would offer somebody else. Um, when I work with kids, it often means going through a set of questions where they're thinking about how they, what they might say to a good friend who was, who found themselves in the same situation. And then, you know, deliberately saying those things to themselves. Um, and it feels a little forced as, as mm -hmm. these things do at the beginning, but I think deliberate practice is, is the beginning of something that becomes more natural. So really learning how to treat yourself like you would a good friend um, through those steps is something we might do. Or um, I might just have somebody 
do 30 days of a random act of kindness for themselves every day, whatever that feels like. Maybe it's stopping for um, an extra coffee. If that's, I mean, maybe not as naturopathic as it could be, but it's a good one for me these days. <laughs> Another random act of kindness coffee for myself <laughs> um, or something like that, that just reminds them that they deserve the same kindness that they would offer anybody else. So mm-hmm. things like that. I think you could make an art. I'm, I'm going to say something, uh, maybe not, maybe the teachers won't like it, but I would, I would argue just in already that some of this stuff seems more important to teach kids than the fact that pi is 3.14159265. You know, like this, I, I I don't, I'm going to go out there and say it. I just, this sounds like a more like uh, a lot of, a lot of wisdom that could be shared to, uh, kids on like how to uh, healthfully or whatever grow up and um, it it may be because I'm reading a, or I'm listening to an audiobook um, by Stephen Jenkinson on elderhood the case for elderhood called come of age and uh, maybe that's what's triggering mm-hmm. this thought too just thinking like you know you're we were to be elders for kids and um, well I hope we we all get to be elders for kids and teach them uh, mm-hmm. wisdom and there just seems like real wisdom in in some of these uh life skills or or you know skills needed to be a good human yeah i often laugh about because sometimes they get called soft skills the mm-hmm. soft skills right and i i laugh about that i'm like i wish these are the, like the hardest skills ever yes. <laughs> this is not easy yeah. anybody who's trying to be resilient right now knows that resilience is not a soft skill but, you know, I, I have shared the same sentiment in many a room, Dave, about, you know, these skills over over math. But I found a really interesting analogy that resonates with me about it. And that's um, actually I, I thought about it because I was at the pelvic physiotherapist, um, you know, proactively building back my core after having um, my most recent little one who's five months old. And she, the way that you build your core in, in pelvic physio is so slow and nuanced. Like before you can do a squat and flex your pelvic floor or your, your core muscles, you, you just have to lie there and very subtly flex the different layers. And it's very much like that. And I think all of these coping skills are very much like your core in school. So anything else that you want to do, you know, if I want to go and do a clean and jerk at the gym, if I don't engage my core, that, that move becomes virtually impossible. And Mm -hmm. I think that all of these coping skills are exactly like that when it comes to school. If you can engage your core muscles of all those different skills and then go and do math, that makes math so much easier Mm -hmm. without grit, without growth mindset, without, you know, any of these cognitive flexibility, suddenly math becomes a very difficult um, skill that you're likely to give up on, right? So I I really do think that this is the core of everything that we need to teach kids. And then from there, it's so much easier to learn anything else that they want to learn, right? But this is essential. So it it is a frustrating battle, actually, when I I hear, because I hear from a lot of schools, sorry, we are too... Our, our teachers are too busy teaching everything else. They don't have time to add anything else. And I'm like, well, but maybe they would have more time if, you know, like these are the skills sure. that buy you more time. For sure. 
it, so, it makes yeah it totally makes sense that then the kids have a more capacity to learn because they have maybe more patience maybe more uh yeah. determination maybe the, you know the computer goes flicks for a few times and they lose their mind well if they didn't lose their mind they, they you know they would be able to come back to the computer and and show that um right know, skills i mean it, it just seems like yeah they're called soft skills <laughs> yeah exactly I mean, you're in over 200 schools, which is absolutely amazing. I would love uh, for you just to describe what that looks like. Like, what does the umbrella project in a school look like? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So um, the first September is always about going back to the core metaphor and really understanding it. So really diving in, back in again to like life reigns. It reigns for everyone. You're not getting out of life without some challenges, uh, but you don't have, you're not at the mercy, your well-being's not at the mercy of that. So here are all the different skills that you can build um, proactively so that you can face challenges. So the first month is just always going back to that core idea. And, and actually that really taps into self-compassion, right? That sense of common humanity, everybody struggles idea. And then month by month, we walk through the different skills, adding piece by piece into their umbrella. So you know, if October might be gratitude month. And for that month, we do a lot, we spend a lot of time showing kids what the skills look like in action. So we have lots of videos and um, like engaging books and stories. And we have kids go out into the world and find examples of gratitude in action and bring them back and share them with their peers. So we're really getting them to be able to positively prime their brains to see positive coping in action and not just a poster on the wall that says, you know, be grateful. It helps you. But, um, actually looking at the people around them and like, Oh, that's how growth mindset works. That's why I need it. Right. Seeing these real life stories of people who, who are using it. So, and then after that, you know, say gratitude month is October. And then the next month we'll usually focus on a different skill until all the pieces have been added. And then once they have, that takes two years to go through all the skills. We repeat the skills again, because if you think about learning about self-compassion in grade one, and then again in grade three, and again in grade five, right? They're seeing different things each yeah. each time. By the time they get to grade seven and need self-compassion desperately, it's already in their neurology to think that that's important or to think that that's a relevant part of their well-being. So we think repetition is super important, um, but we have grade-based curriculum. Um, so each each time it's different. It's a different teacher. It's a different, right? Different set of stories, different ideas that they're talking about. Um, and then we've, we've gone as far as to put, um, all of the curriculum connections in. So we have all different activities that line up with what teachers are already teaching. So you can do English and umbrella project at the same time or math and umbrella project or phys ed and umbrella project so that there's different activities and you can hit your competencies while you do it. Um, so we've really put a lot of love and energy into trying to make it easy for teachers to, um, to teach it. And then, and then we provide parenting resources as well, because I don't think this is a battle that's going to be won, um, just on one front. I think that parents need to come together and teachers need to come together and we need to all work and naturopaths and doctors need to come together to, to promote a common way of thinking about the world that. Because I, I think that's what's going to shift mental health ultimately is is a shift towards this type of thinking. Um, I don't think we're ever going to make a difference in mental health by putting more responders 
in schools, more social workers, more once somebody's already created in their mind a story about their well-being um, that is not serving them. Um, Because that's the other piece of the Umbrella Project is what all these stories do is they shift the way that students look at what's happening to them. They, They create a different story after hearing about all these other people coping, if you can imagine, um, and then say you're bullied and you've just heard 10 stories of positive coping with bullying. Suddenly the story is different in your mind about what it means, what that, you know, what that trauma, what that difficulty actually means that it happened to you. And I think ultimately everything comes down to that. We're not what happens to us in life. We're the story we tell ourselves about what those things mean. And so the more we can create a narrative for students and parents and teachers of positive coping, the more we can actually have a a huge impact on, on the trajectory of mental health, right? We can get upstream from all those challenges and, and write a different story before the story even happens to kids so that that becomes what they take away from those experiences. So, yeah. Cause like the rescue boats are out, right? Like yeah. rescue boats are, cannot keep up the life that, right now for mental health and totally, but mental health cannot keep up like the, the mental health workers, the social workers, you know, Keystone services, like they cannot keep up. And that downstream is like calling for help. And I love that this is, I'm sure there are other programs that are upstream, but um, Mm -hmm. can't save the downstream by throwing in more life rafts. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's, that's just it. Right. And that's, but it's so overwhelming downstream right now that that feels like where we'd need to throw more resources right but in actuality i think we need to we need to balance and get way more proactive um before all these terrible narratives have been created seems like an analogy for like german terrain theory you know like we just throw everything in germ theory or not theory like i don't mm-hmm. like the terminology even but the germ <laughs> perspective cuz it's valid but we throw everything at that and yeah. really like doubling down, tripling down, whatever we're doing with the unnameable virus uh, strategy. Uh, And then, you know, at the same time, we're not really talking about uh, like health resilience or, or terrain and, and how Mm -hmm. we could probably keep a lot of people out of the hospital on any old day, other than, you know, beyond a pandemic by, by addressing some terrain and building up resilience, health resilience. It just seems like analogies galore that way too. Yeah, it's exactly like that. I I can't tell you how many times I've looked to the sky and said, this is not how you deal with infectious disease. (laughs) There's something we're missing. (laughs) We can't keep doing this. Yeah, you feel like you're you're going to be like crucified for, for saying anything um, but but it, I think naturopaths are good at holding this multiple perspectives and going, we're not saying it's not that. We're just saying maybe some resources like could be put into that too while you, uh, you know, because we just got this mm-hmm. short-term reactive sort of mentality, right, that just continues. Yeah, um, yeah. yes and, on. right? Yeah. <laughs> yes and. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> exactly. I, I agree, yeah. So... So Jen, um, we were talking a little bit before recording about challenging times and um, mm-hmm. and why we need to foster this in our children. Um, 
and we are going through some challenging times right now. <laughs> Today in particular, yes. I, if I could take a pointy umbrella and close it and <laughs> uh, smack it on the ground, I would. <laughs> the, uh, I feel like all of my umbrella skills are out the window as they've just pulled schools for another two weeks. Um, yeah. And I'm mad. I'm angry. And my kids are at home crying and their dad's at home with a concussion trying to homeschool. And oh, it's, you know, and that's just my story and we have it easy. And I know there are other families around Ontario who, you know, don't even have the privileges that, you know, that, that I have. Um, and now you have to demonstrate that, these resilient qualities and characteristics when you go home to those kids. I do. And so, mm-hmm. um, you know, I'm painting a kind of a angry picture here and I am today. I'm, I'm just, I feel like my resilience and ability to adapt is just tapped out this year, like everybody's. Um, and, uh, and so what just thinking about the kids let's go let's take it back to the kids today they're out of school for another couple of weeks they're trying to adapt to this online learning um I don't all right know. can you just um pause for a minute while i weep yes okay <laughs> i can't pull myself together now. okay so, go, go ahead. on go ahead. <laughs> you know and you're a mom with a, a, a huge program and a practice and a and you're writing a book and writing a book like you know we all have the things in our life that we're doing and we're trying to just we've had a year of adapting like a year of pivot 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 so um i i can it almost highlights the need for these skills right now yeah no they're kind of tired totally oh and they are they're exhausted but the the real thing of it all is that just because they're tired and those skills are exhausted it doesn't make the problem go away. Like it does no matter tomorrow morning, you're going to wake up and you're still going to have all those things on your plate. And this is the thing with life. Like it rains, it rains hard. Sometimes it rains more than we can cope (laughs) with. So one thing that I counsel myself to do regularly and others is really understand the ratio of what you're dealing with in life to your coping skills, right? And at some point, we've all had the moment where it's like that was the, that was the straw that broke everything, right? Because, you know, you, it is a ratio. You can deal with a certain amount of rain, but at a certain point, you just overwhelm your coping skills. And when that happens, you need to take a step back and figure out what to do next. And often what to do next is to find the time and space for, for self-care, to take some things, you know, control what you can get some rid of some of the things that you have on your plate and put a little more energy into the system. Right. And, but first and foremost, it's totally fine to go home and stomp your feet around and say with your kids, your husband and teach them swear words if you need to, and just let it out. Right. We don't need to be resilience does not mean that we don't feel feelings and that everything's just, we just pull it together and we're fine. Right. It means that we are like, <laughs> Oh no, 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 no. And then after we've had that, we purge ourselves of like, we try, you have to get the feelings out with your kids, right? This is an important moment that. That's to just be like, guys, let's just lose it. Let's all let's yell. Let's do, how do you feel? Right. Yeah, and, yes. and you're teaching them that it's okay to feel that way. And then, Okay, now, and now what, right? And now maybe we need to, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to stop doing this for a little while 
so that I can focus my energy on taking care of myself. Because in these moments, these are the moments that our kids are learning how to be in the world, right? Mm -hmm. They're learning what's okay and what's not okay. Mm -hmm. They're learning what it looks like to cope. And I, I always like something that I hold really close to my heart is you can tell your kids what to do, or you can show them by being the person that you want your child to grow up to be. So instead of going home and trying to have your shit together for lack of a better word in front of your kids, cause you're trying to make it okay for them. Yeah. Be the person, do the things that you would want them to do if they were you. Show them what it looks like to cope. Show them what it looks like to say no to some stuff and just step back and sit in the bathtub for an hour or whatever, like any, you know, or pour another glass of wine or I have a sauna in the backyard. I think I go in it every single day because I'm just like, I need to go in the sauna again. I think (laughs) it's so important, Jen. Like, I I think because the narrative right now is... like, so the importance of just being, allowing yourself to be angry. And I hear this from my patients, like, well, I can't complain because I know other families have it worse. I'm like, no, yes, you can. Like you can be angry. You can be mad. You can be sad for your kids. You can let them cry and tell them, yes, you have every right to be angry. Um, Because the narrative now, if you say something, at least, you know, socially in particular is, well, get used to it. This is the new normal. Just accept it. Just you know, other people have it worse for you. Well, how can you be angry? Do you want your kids to get sick? Right. And there's a lot of toxic responses out there when people express that they're not happy. Um, it's so true saying that's not also does not equate with, you don't agree that COVID's a problem or that we should be doing this. Those you can have, you can hold both of those truths together. Absolutely. Yeah. Well said. And I, I think if you if you skip the part where you're angry, where that that's has to go somewhere. You're just mm-hmm. building all of that up inside, right? So, I mean, gratitude is a fantastic skill and it's a skill that lets us see all the things that we have and recognize that other people are struggling more than we're struggling, right? Mm-hmm. But the first and most important thing is just to allow yourself to struggle. Like don't, I don't know why we want to look always like we have it all together. I don't even think people like people who have it all together all the time. It's this funny thing that we do. Like we all want to seem like we have it all together and yet nobody even likes those people. <laughs> like it's okay to just be messy, right? Like it's okay if your life for one day and your kids see or 10 days or however long, right? It's good. Mm-hmm. It's very positive for them to see you just be angry. Just be like, I hate this. I don't want this anymore. And then tomorrow or whatever day, wake up and be like, okay, but I can't make it go away right now. So now I'm going to dive into gratitude and really try to feel and be with the things that I have or mindfulness. I'm really going to try to just slow down and be present with, you know, you while you're in school and then Mm -hmm. my husband while he's doing whatever the, the sequence of your day is. Right. But yeah, you can't skip the, can't skip the first step. And so even within sort of your core competencies that you're trying to teach kids with the, with the project, is it times like this where you're, you know, your uh, brake pads, your resilience, whatever your capacity to deal with stuff is really waning. What are the ones you really, really double down on? Cause it, it almost reminds me when uh, like a treatment hierarchy that I kind of follow when I, when I uh, treat gut issues is often I use demulsants first, like mm-hmm. something 
soothing, just relax, sleep, get water. Here's your demulsants. And then after that, you may do more like an antimicrobial or something at another point, but starting with like yin or starting with like the, I don't know. It's kind of like a treatment hierarchy that I guess I follow without really mm-hmm. having written it and down. Funny, just, to, just to do the woman's health analogy, like when, when women are struggling with painful periods or heavy periods, like in the short term, I'm like, you just need to not be doing CrossFit on day one of yeah. the period. Like same idea. <laughs> you need to be at home and resting and with yeah. a water bottle. Like this is not the time to be CrossFitting and doing all the things and trying to push through. So I'm just, just interesting that our, our first treatment, it's a, it's a good example, Dave. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, I mean, always my mind goes back to self-compassion, but also to mindfulness, actually. I think mindfulness is a really good skill to help make quick change or to help you recognize where you, what you might even need, right? Without mindfulness, it's hard to know how you're feeling, you know, if you're well or unwell, what you need, where you're sad, where you're anxious, right? So just getting back to that core presence in, in, and being okay with your feelings and how you're feeling, just noticing them, um, is a really important skill that I, I start with a lot. Um, but honestly, I, I think we're input output systems. And right now I feel like most of us are outputting way, way more than we're inputting like that balance is off. So, um, before any skill, I might just think about putting more energy into the system with whatever that looks like for you, whether it's, um, time spent alone, (laughs) solitude, you know, making that agreement with your partner, whatever, or your kids that you have this, these 20 minutes to yourself, you know, whatever fills your bucket up, whatever feels like input to you. Um, I think that's a good place to start to gather some energy back into the system. Um, and if you don't have time for it, taking a critical look at what's taking the place of that great this we love analogies here and and i and 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 when you understand something well you can break it down to simple analogies so i think there's a lot of really helpful ways that this podcast will help people kind of frame a strategy for their families right now um jen we always ask our guests at the end what's one takeaway uh they want to leave our listeners with um i mean i feel like the last thing you just said was a great one, but is there anything mm-hmm. that you want to leave us with? Um, you know, especially as we're going into the next, you know, uh, part of the first part of this year, you know, the end of a long year of pandemic, um, you know, yeah. Any, any thoughts on what, on a final point here? Oh, gosh, there's so, so many, so many things. I think um, one of I think the easiest ways to start to make change in anyone's life is, is to really think about being the person you want your children to grow up to be, or you would want your best friend to be, or you would want like making choices that reflect what you would wish for someone else and not for yourself. I think we're very good at sacrificing our own well being, And I, I know that when I step back and think, what would I want my child to do right now? It's much easier for me to say, okay, I would want them to stop pushing so hard and just take a day off. I would want them to, you know, find 
20 minutes to themselves to just whatever it is that they want to do to just read a book. Right. I, and when I can see that perspective, when I'm, I, I find it's easier for me to start to make the choices that will sustain health through what we don't know will be another couple of months. And I, I, I dare not say any longer than that. <laughs> I don't know, but, uh, but I know that this is now a marathon and we need to really be kind to ourselves and make choices that reflect that. So mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. nice. Thank you for talking to us today. I, I thank you for having I think me. more people need to know what you're doing. I think you're doing some amazing work for this world. So Aww, thank uh, you. that's a great ambassador for what naturopaths can do. Definitely. Thanks guys. I, I appreciate it. And you guys too. Um, I'm excited to go through and listen to all these podcasts. I've listened to a few and they're awesome. You got some, there's some good endies to highlight. So, Oh, totally. Among them. How can we find you? How can maybe teachers find out about getting uh, Umbrella Project in their schools or parents' resources? Where Where do we go? Yeah, um, our website has access to everything. So umbrellaproject.co um, is a great spot to look. Um, there's naturopaths who are trained to help parents assess their coping skills <clears throat> as well as their kids' coping skills. You can find those a list of those NDs there um, and all the information about our curriculums there too. So that's a great place. All right. Thanks so much, Dr. Jen. Go have a coffee and, uh, and a breath before you get back to your, your parenting tonight. I will. I've already had two or three today. So, you know, confessions of a naturopath. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, uh, Me too. (laughs) All right. Thanks so much. Take care. Take care. Bye. Thanks.